Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 18. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Last week, we said goodbye to the rich young ruler, but we don't know if we said goodbye permanently or not. Remember, he came to Jesus. We talked about it, and, he's in, and he said, Jesus, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and follow me. The Bible tells us that he went away in verse 23 of chapter 18. You can peek at it if you will. The Bible tells us that he went away sorrowful or he went away sad. And I'm hoping that he was sad enough that at some point he traded away his God of wealth and began to follow Jesus as his Lord and Savior. I hope that we will see this rich young ruler when we step into God's kingdom. We don't know. Well, chapter 18, it looks like we are going to finish it today. We have been in chapter 18 for a long time. Say amen, saints. It has been a minute. Well, we're going to finish it today. Luke chapter 18, I've actually titled the sermon, Crawling into the Kingdom. Luke 18, beginning in verse 24, saints, if you're looking at it, say amen. Oh, some of y'all ain't looking, I'll wait. Look at verse 24, if you're looking at it, say amen. amen. Much better. And when Jesus saw that, when Jesus saw that the rich young ruler had went away sorrowful, he became very sorrowful. And he said, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, well, then who can be saved? And he, Jesus said, the things which are impossible with men. Matter of fact, verse 27, can y'all read it with me? The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And then Peter said, see, we have left all and followed you. And Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left his house or his parents or his brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. So when Jesus told the rich young ruler to sell everything and follow him, he went away sorrowful. So the rich man was sorry, and now Jesus is sorry because Jesus didn't want the man to walk away in his idolatry, loving riches more than loving God. 
So Jesus used this as a teachable moment. Jesus says, fellas, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven and is easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. Now, if you go on Google or you do some research or you uh, look at some commentaries, there's a lot of talk out there about what is uh, this eye of a needle. I think the most common one that I have read concerning the eye, the camel going through the eye of a needle, is I heard people say that in the walls of Jerusalem there was a gate. And at night they would shut the gates and then there was a little gate, something like a doggy door, if you will. And they called it the eye of the needle. And if you wanted to get into the city, you had to take all the stuff off your camel, and your camel would have to get down on his knees and squeeze through this little gate. And then someone had to be on the front side to pull on the camel, someone had to be on the back side to push the camel, and if you push hard enough, you could squeeze your camel through the door. And they called that door, that gate, the eye of the needle. Now listen, Jesus isn't saying, are you listening? Jesus isn't saying you can squeeze into heaven. Say amen, somebody. He's not saying you can squeeze into heaven. Jesus isn't saying if you have someone on one end in heaven pulling you and someone on the back and pushing you, and if you huff and puff and pull hard enough, you can squeeze into heaven. That's not what he's saying. What Jesus is doing here in the Jewish culture, Jesus is simply telling a joke. He's telling a joke. This is called hyperbole, an illustration of something funny but impossible. Jesus is making the point that man cannot save himself. Did you hear me? Man cannot save himself. It's not difficult. It is impossible. And it doesn't matter what you do and how hard you work and how many good deeds that, 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 that are done. It's impossible to work your way into the kingdom. Rich, poor, black, white, every human being must come to Jesus by faith and not by works. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, clap your hands. Would you do that? You come by faith and not by works. There's nothing. Jesus paid it all. Huh? Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. When Jesus died on the cross and he said to telestai, that's the Greek word for it is finished. He meant that what is finished is the, is the price has been paid for our redemption in full and the Father's wrath is satisfied and now satisfied with the death of his son and therefore it is finished. There's nothing more we can do to add to salvation. It's not difficult. It's impossible. Well, I just don't know if God is happy with me. Can I tell you something? God is as happy with you as he's ever going to be. Amen. And you know why? Because he's happy with his son. And when you know Jesus and you stand in Christ, then God doesn't even see your sin. He sees, his, he sees the blood of his son that covers our sin. And then we ask for forgiveness. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. And then we, you should be happy about that. 
And then the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so shall your sin be far from me. God doesn't remember our sin. I'm happy about that. That God doesn't, God is not like Santa Claus, making a list, checking it twice to find out who's naughty or nice. Amen. I actually like that. I wish I thought of that two services ago. No, God, God sees us through Christ and he loves us. And Jesus also, listen, Jesus also isn't saying that rich people can't go to heaven. You know, I think somewhere in the back of some people's mind, it's almost like, you know, rich people can't go to heaven or rich people are arrogant or they, you know, they just can't go to heaven. Listen, I know a lot of rich people that are going to heaven because they love Jesus. And listen, rich people, they get a bad rap. I say, leave the rich people alone. Listen, there's plenty of rich, saved people in the Bible. Abraham was rich and saved. David was rich and saved. Job was rich and saved. Zacchaeus was a rich tax collector, and he was rich and got saved. Look at verse 26. We got to move on. Look at verse 26. Now, when the disciples heard this, they said, Who then can be saved? In other words, if a good man who is rich, we're talking about the rich young ruler, that's the context. If a good man who is rich, young and handsome can't get into heaven, then what chance do the rest of us have? And Jesus said, you got it. It's impossible. It only comes through Jesus Christ. What is impossible for man, salvation is possible for God. All throughout scripture, listen, God does the impossible. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who can do the impossible? You know, I travel, as many of you know, I travel to India. And I'm going to be telling you more about that because in just about three and a half weeks, I will go to India again and we will um, inaugurate um, Calvary Chapel Training Center. Our church will have a school in India for pastors and church leaders. Can anybody get excited about that? I'm very excited about that. I go to a country, and, 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 you know, I walk down the streets, and I go to other cities even within India, and they, they've got gods everywhere, temples everywhere. In some cities, they have gods that are 15 feet high and a big, you know, fiberglass monkey. And he's 15 feet high, and they have him in a cage, and, then, and they've got coconuts around his feet and rice around his feet and bananas and milk, and they offer all kinds of things to these gods, and these gods, they cannot save. They have ears, but they can't hear. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have mouths, but they can't talk. They have hands, but they can't reach out and touch. But we serve a God who can do the impossible. We serve a God who has eyes and he does see, and he hears us when we pray. God hears you. You might not think God hears you, but he hears you. The Bible says he even bottles up every tear you drop. Go figure that. He hears you, and he can reach out, and he can touch you. We serve a God of the impossible. I think of many, many impossible situations in the Bible. I think of Pharaoh, whose army uh, um, 
was chasing the children of Israel. And they, they come to the Red Sea. You know the story. And Pharaoh's army is behind him. And there's a mountain on the left behind them and the mountain on the left and a mountain on the right. And God made a 12-lane highway right in the middle of the ocean. What is impossible with men is possible with who, saints? God. And God told Joshua, remember this impossible situation? God told Joshua, march around the city walls seven times, and on the seventh time, shout, and the walls will come a-tumbling down. I love to say it that way. Come a-tumbling down. And they did. The imp- what's impossible with men is possible with God. David facing a nine-foot giant with a slingshot and five smooth stones. God directed that stone right between Goliath's eyes. What's impossible with men is possible with God. Gabriel shows up to a teenage girl. Her name is Mary. And he said, you're pregnant and you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. And Mary said, how can this be? And Gabe said, nothing is impossible for who? God. You see, God specializes in the impossible, and what you cannot do for yourself, God can do it for us. That's what he does. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 11, and you might want to write that down, God said, I put before you blessings and cursings you choose. So in the mind of the Jew, when they saw someone who was wealthy and prospering, they thought that that was God's blessing. And when they saw someone who was sick and poor, they thought they were cursed. Now, you might remember just a few chapters ago, two chapters ago in Luke 16, you remember Jesus told the story of Lazarus and the rich man. In this story, listen close, Jesus was actively dismantling that idea because the rich man went into torment and the poor man who was suffering went into Abraham's bosom. The Bible tells us that Jesus came for the poor as well as for the rich, for the sick as well as for the healthy, for those who were important in this world and for the common man. The, the, the theme verse for the book of Luke is in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. That's the theme verse for the entire book. And it says that Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. Don't you know Jesus can save anybody? Aren't you glad about it? He saved me. I'm glad about it. He saved me. If he saved me, he can save anybody. He can save anybody. He came to seek and to save those who were lost. Look at verse 29 in your Bibles. As Jesus said, there's no one who has left house, parents, brothers, sisters, wife, children, for the sake of the kingdom, who did not receive many times more. In other words, God will never be a debtor to any man. Are you listening? God will never be a debtor to you. And if God becomes a debtor to you, then you will be the first. Because God will never be a debtor to any man. Many of you know my story that I came here, moved here from Southern California. Um, originally from Philadelphia, but I was out actually out in California. Amen, from Philly. Yeah, amen. You don't, you don't got a cheesesteak in your back pocket, would you? And, uh, you know, uh, we came here and because God, God told us to come here. And it was March 23rd, 1995. And I got off the plane at RDU. And it was a different airport back then. It was much smaller back in 95. 
and got off the airplane, and my wife was checking out the car, and I stepped outside to get some air because we came here because we felt like the Lord might be leading us to come here to start a church someday. We didn't know what the details were. So I stepped outside to get some air. I'll never forget it was 8 o'clock at night, and I felt the, the Spirit of God speak to me and tell me, this is where I've called you. It was as clear as that. I went back in. I told my wife, I said, honey, this is where God has called us. So we got on a plane, and for us to move here from Southern California, you're talking about 3,000 miles, was impossible. We had no money. We had no means to do it. We got back home and, uh, to California, and God showed us that we were, to have, uh, we were to sell everything we had, sell everything. So we had five consecutive house sales. We did not have a garage sale. We had a house sale. Because I thought, you know what, I'm not going to put all this stuff out on the walkway and folks can take it. If they want it, they can come in the house and get it. So I, we opened up the front door. We had a house sale. People walked in. They were like, is that plant, those plants for sale? Yup. Is the, uh, the pictures on the wall for sale? Yup. The stove, uh, the refrigerator, the dining room set, the beds, everything we sold Every single thing we owned, we took that money and we moved to Raleigh, North Carolina. People say, people say, and people have said to me oftentimes, and I can tell you what, I'm actually glad you're clapping because I'm actually glad I did. I am glad I did. I'm glad I did because, you know, what the Bible says, eye has not seen nor ear has heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the thing that God has prepared for those who love him. And if I hadn't, look what the blessing I would have missed out on. I am blessed as a result of following what God has called me to do. And people have said to me, they, they would say, oh, man, what great faith. you Man, that was like a serious step of faith and what great faith. And I tell people, that wasn't really faith to tell you the truth. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things, somebody help me, not seen. Well, this whole process and God moving us here, God was being very specific. It was unbelievable. God was like in visions and dreams. Literally every single night, God was showing, I was having a vision of what God wanted me to do next. It was like I I was starting to look forward to going to sleep that night to pick up on part two on what, okay, what's next? And God was showing me what I needed to do. And so when people say, oh, you had great faith, listen, that didn't require faith. That required obedience. Faith and obedience. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands because now you understand that obedience and faith is different. The Bible tells us what we ought to be doing as believers. We do not need faith to, to do what God has called us to do. We need to be obedient to do what God has told us to do in the word of God. It wasn't great faith on my part. It was just a simple act of obedience. As people were saying, oh, well, what great faith you have, and oh, how much you've given up to follow the Lord. Man, you sold everything, and you gave up a lot to follow the Lord. I went, I have given up. God knows. Here's the honest to God's truth. I don't feel like I've given up anything. I feel like God has given me everything. God has given me everything. I didn't give up anything. I sold a bunch of furniture, sold a house, sold a bunch of furniture and stuff like that. You know what? I got here. God gave me a house. Amen. And for some of y'all living in an apartment, y'all know how important that is. 
God gave me a house. I got a nice house. It's a small house. It's a nice house. I actually have more furniture in this house than I had in the other house. So God blessed me. God blessed me to be the pastor of a great church. This is a great church. And what I love about this church, I'm the pastor of an awesome multicultural church. I think that's important. I think that's important. Every nation, tongue, and tribe, there's so many people here from so many parts of the world. I mean, just last service, I had just sitting up front, uh, some friends of mine from India were sitting here, and they're here every single week. We've got people from from various parts of Asia, people from various places, uh, Spanish-speaking countries. Um, I don't even know if you know, but even during this service, even right now as I'm speaking, we have people sitting in a sanctuary with a hearing listening device in their ear because there's a gentleman in that back room translating my words in Spanish so that people who, can, who don't speak English can understand what's being said in the service this year. I want you to clap your hands because I think that's great. I think that's awesome. So God is blessed. I haven't given up anything to follow the Lord. Look at verse 31. Now, we're going to finish this chapter, all right? Oh, y'all, y'all, want, y'all want to bet? Y'all, y'all, y'all laughing. Y'all want to bet? Anybody want to bet, Ruth, Ruth Chris? You want to bet, Ruth Chris? We're going to finish this chapter. Want to bet, Ruth Chris? Look, I tell you what, we're going to look. Look at verse 43, and then we'll end right there. I told you we're going to finish this chapter now. I have the mic. I can do some stuff up here, okay? Look at verse 31. If you're looking at it, say I'm looking at it. Then he took 12 aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked, and he'll be insulted, and he'll be spit upon. And they will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. Isn't that good news? But they, in verse 34, understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. So Jesus, give me your attention, took the twelve aside and began to talk to them about his coming death in Jerusalem and, things, and the things that were prophesied by the prophets, that he was going to be delivered to the Gentiles, that he would be mocked, he'd be insulted and spit upon and scourged and beaten and brutalized, and they were going to kill him, but on the third day, he would rise again. But what I find very interesting here is Jesus spent, listen, are you listening? Jesus spent three years with the disciples, telling them, teaching them, instructing them, reminding them that we are headed toward Jerusalem. And this is not the first time that he's told them, in Jerusalem, I'm going to be beaten and spit upon and brutalized, and I'm going to be scourged, and I'm going to the cross. Jesus has been telling them over and over and over again, and verse 34 tells us that they had no idea of what he was talking about. Hello? It's like, what were y'all not listening? Over and over again in the scriptures, if you read your Bibles, you can see in Acts chapter 2, verse 23, it was Peter who said it was, a pre, it, was a, it was the predetermined counsel and the foreknowledge of God that Jesus Christ was offered as a sin offering. 
Isaiah 53 clearly spoke of his second coming, of his coming and his suffering. It was Jesus himself who said, Lo, I've come in the volume of the book. It's written of me to do thy will, O God. Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared. So we can safely say, listen, Jesus is moving with his face set like a flint toward Jerusalem, knowing exactly what's, what awaits him, but they had no idea of what he was talking about. Now listen, this next section of scripture is probably my favorite story in the Gospels. And if you've been here at Calvary Chapel, you've heard this story before, then indulge me. We have the story of blind Bartimaeus. Look at verse 35, saints. If you're looking at verse 35, could you say a hearty amen? And then it happened as he was coming near Jericho. It's a beautiful story. That a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. And so they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out, all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, saying, what do you want me to do for you? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.